like we're all business today let's this get is in two weeks in a row are we i know i don't know what are, are we finally getting our shit together <laughs> two years later yeah no big deal <laughs> i think it's so, because of pandemic we're all like we have to get our shit together we only have a finite amount of time it's true there's yep. no time to waste mm-hmm. um someone's gonna want something very soon yep <laughs> It's Frankie Love Week right here on yep, uh, right? Romance. We didn't talk about that before we I'm going to confirm that you're right. It is Frankie Love <laughs> this week. I wrote it down. <laughs> Frankie Love writes filthy sweet stories about bad boys and mountain men. As a 30-something mom who is ridiculously in love with her own bearded hottie, she believes in love at first sight and happily ever afters. She also believes in the power of a quickie. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I didn't read it in advance. I was like, that took me off. <laughs> I thought I was going to say coffee or something. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, I like this. Oh, you can find her uh, at frankielove.net. It's Frankie, I-E, frankielove.net or on Facebook. Frankie also writes under the pen names Charlie Hart and Anya M- Mora. I did not know that. You're ready to fall in love. You deserve it. Oh, wow. So she has, she has three pen names she writes under. I don't know how people do that. I don't know. That's a lot to keep up with. <laughs> it is. I don't know how people write. Because she much. writes, because she writes a ton as Frankie Love. I want to say that there's a book out every two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're really short, but because I read her off and on. Yeah. And so I don't know how she does that. <laughs> I don't know how she does it with three names. That's insane. So I wonder if the other names have Say no to drugs, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she has to do quickies. Yeah, she's exactly. Gonna, gonna get I have no time. I'm writing. <laughs> There's no time. There's never any time. I'll never get into Stanford. I'll never <laughs> okay, so she has a series of standalone man- uh, romances called The Mountain Men of Fox Hollow. And I'm going to read you guys the heart of the mountain blurb because it's so good. So this is the first one in the Fox, the men of mountain men of Fox hollow series. It's called part of the mountain, an angel. It's the worst rainstorm in history. When I find her unconscious in the woods sent from heaven, she's lost and alone, a newborn baby in her arms. I will protect them. My cabin is in their shelter from the storm under my care. So no one can hurt them, whatever the cost. I'm not who she thinks I am. And if she finds out, she'll keep on running. My home is her home, my heart, her heart. And I'm sh- I sure as hell don't want to break it. Oh, that's all so these, sweet. all the covers of the series are like all just bearded, just big bearded yeah. men holding and babies. babies. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. That's yeah, so hot. It's, yeah. It's like a Pinterest board of mine. <laughs> bearded men all with babies. <laughs> She also has a series, um, a motorcycle series I've been reading. It's like four authors are riding in it. It's really good because I don't usually like motorcycle books, but they're all sweet. And they release one like every two weeks. So I'm always like waiting for the next one. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, she's in it with, okay, so it's Danny Watt. Danny Wyatt, Frankie Love, Hope Ford, Olivia Turner. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Oh, I remember when we did our MC series like that. Do you remember we like wrote wrote it like we all took turns. We had a group of authors that did that. So we had something every two weeks. So it was so nice. When I found, well, there's, because I remember doing that, but we all kind of stayed in our own motorcycle club. Yeah, they all didn't their interact. characters, no, they're all in the same club. How do they keep so, up with that? Holy shit. I don't know. I thought it, I was impressed too. I was like, wow. They must like have a lot of emails. That's all I can think. It's like they must email each other a ton. Like, cause you'd have to be like, well, I left your character like in the bedroom. Well, or- if they're like, I think, I think they'll, no, I think it's more like, cause it's like a progression story. Oh, okay, okay. So it's like if somebody got with a girl, mm-hmm. you know, they'll make reference to that girl being with him or whatever. Yeah. Wow. So it's like it's it's not it's not a continuity. Like okay. remember when I did the wedding dares continuity with the five authors? Mm-hmm. 
We had to set, yeah. we had to open. So like all of our four books were taking place simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So we had to do a, a Google doc of like where our characters were at every hour of the day over a course of a seven day period. Holy oh my shit. God. No. So involved. And then we had to switch manuscripts once they were written and edited and like edit our characters because like if we didn't want our characters to say something in a certain way or it wasn't Are you fucking kidding me? How many authors were in this? So Laura Kay did the, like the prequel uh-huh. and then, so that one wasn't part of like the, um, the continuity, mm-hmm. like it was kind of like it kicked off the seat. And then, so it was me, Samantha Beck, Katie Robert and Jen McLaughlin. Wow. And yeah, we all wrote for Entangled at the time mm-hmm. and it was so, it was such a huge project, but honestly, I think like, I think 50% of my readers came from that series. That was the first book I ever read by you. Yeah. And it like, it's still, I think one of my number one, my number one selling book ever. Wow. That's incredible. So hard work pays off. (laughs) (laughs) Moral of the story. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it then. Um, Now now that we've introduced. So I've got a lot of talking points. They're all random stuff I've been thinking of over the last two weeks. So we're just going to dive in. Um, I told you guys, uh, if you could think of, as I mentioned this yesterday, so I'll just go with that first. But I said, what is your favorite non-holiday tradition? And I say that because it was my brother's birthday recently, and we share, or we're two days apart. Uh, my, mine's June the 11th, his is, or June 14th, there's two days between us, whatever. And so um, every year on each other's birthdays, we always post the same thing on Facebook and it's the quote from Fight Club where Brad Pitt, well, it's not Brad Pitt. It's, um, yeah, it is. It, Brad Pitt says it when they're in the garden and he's telling everyone, you are not a special, you're, you're not special. You're not unique. You're not a snowflake. You're, <laughs> you're the same gray brown matter as everyone else on this planet. Like it's basically telling you, like, you're just part of the machine. You're not special. So we post that for each other every year on our birthdays. And I was thinking about that the other day. And I was like, should I maybe say something nice to him one year? But <laughs> I'm like, I just like this tradition of just completely shitting. Yeah, like let's shit on each other every year on our birthdays because we're just like that. So I was just oh, thinking that, about that. Though. Yeah. I was thinking about that and I was like, is there any other like not like traditional things that you do with your family? And then Mel, you were like, you're having Thanksgiving this weekend? Yeah, why are you having Thanksgiving? I know. This you're gonna you're we gonna just, talk me through this. We were just why not? There's nothing going on. And <laughs> I mean Are you gonna skip it in November or are you gonna have it again? And there's no we're just gonna make all the stuff that you make at Thanksgiving. Oh, I like that. I eat it. Wait, why wouldn't you do like that? You know what? There's no rules. And then you get to package all up and we can eat it through the week too. I know, right? Like, like I need an excuse to cook Thanksgiving dinner. And if that's not one. My mom used to do it once in a while. She would make a turkey and some stuffing and mashed potatoes, like in just (sighs) randomly. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I would never, I just wouldn't go to all that trouble when I could just get takeout. (laughs) <laughs> it is like there's something nice about it though like uh-huh. just like that comfort of we're gonna just spend all day cooking yeah that's all we're gonna do and then we're gonna eat and mm-hmm. fall asleep and then have all this yummy comfort food for the week that's yeah so nice. i know i love that that's a great idea so everybody this weekend let's do thanksgiving with mel we're starting a new <laughs> tradition we're gonna have thanksgiving in july now so you guys have to like watch um, the Thanksgiving Charlie Brown special. Oh yeah, to, like, like really, really do it up. Yeah, you know. So I had um, I had coffee with Abby Knox the other day at our socially distanced acceptable coffee house here in town. They have outdoor seating. You can only order on your phone. They do delivery with masks and gloves, and they stay at a distance. It's great. So you sit outside, and there was nobody out there. We went super early, so it was just me and her, and we sat on two ends of the table with our masks and everything. But it was so nice to to see her because we live in the same town, but we both have little kids, and our husbands were both off on the Friday before 4th of July. And we're like, somebody's at home with the kids. Let's do it. Let's make this happen. <laughs> so we went and we met for coffee and we talked for three hours, just nonstop, just like we couldn't shut up because it was really like we hadn't seen each other in so long, you know? Yeah. 
So we're talking, and she was telling me about this show, and I fucking forgot to write it down. But it's on, it's, I told Mel about it, but I think it's called like Say I Do or something like that. But it's on Netflix, and she said it's kind of like Queer Eye, but for weddings. And she said, but it's surprise weddings. So she said, I need you to go, and I need you to go to episode six and watch it immediately. And I was like, okay, just tell me the whole thing. Spoil the whole thing, because I'm going to watch it if it's good. And she's like, all right. So I'm going to spoil the whole episode. So if you don't want to hear it, fast forward like a minute or two. So it's a gay couple. It's two guys. And one of them is a radiologist. And they get a new machine in the hospital. And they're like, we need volunteers to check it out, like to scan. They scan him. Turns out he has like stage four bone cancer. Randomly, he he got scanned and he had this. He was like, I'd had some like back pain or something like that. This is all Abby telling me the whole thing. So I don't know all the details, but she was like, he mentioned like back pain, hip pain, but that was it. So anyway, so he has this cancer and like, I, I don't, again, I'm, I'm kind of fuzzy on the details, but they had already like been engaged or something like that happened. This guy ends up like beating cancer, like coming back, like doing great. His partner um, is like, he said he was like, he never cried in front of me. Not once. He was like, he was always there. He was always like business in front of me. And he was like, and I know he probably did it somewhere else, but in front of me, he kept it together. And so anyways, so, um, the guy that got sick, his favorite holiday was Christmas, like crackhead for Christmas. So the partner that took care of him, he proposed in a Christmas ornament. I was like, well, I got to write this immediately. So anyways, but, um, so he proposes like inside a Christmas ornament and then, um, he's like, he, when he proposes, he's like, yeah, of course I'll marry you. He's like, we I already said I would. And he's like, no, in three days. And so the crew comes in and they put together like this elaborate wedding and it's, it's like, it, it's like Midwestern or I think it's in Indiana or something like that. Cause Abby was telling me like that's where she's from. And she's like, it was so picturesque. Like I had my wedding in there and it was just so perfect. And it was exactly what like you would, you wouldn't think, but it was a beautiful like Midwestern wedding anyways. But she said that they did it and his, you know, favorite thing is Christmas. So they had all these like woodland creatures and like snow and all this stuff come in. She was like, it was so over the top. I just kept thinking Leah's going to love this. <laughs> but yeah, so she was telling me like all about it. And she's like, you've got to watch this show. She's like, it just, fu-. she was like, I sobbed through part of it, but it made me feel so good and happy in the end. Like they were happy and in love and they had their wedding. And I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> I need to watch this. So, so yeah, she told me about that and I haven't watched it yet, but I did want to mention it in case you guys have like, I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix or anything. Like no, that. I so, haven't heard of it. Yeah. It I figured really that good. would be a really good one. Like a, a nice little warm pick me up right now. So. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll watch it. So like, do you I'll- have... I meant to ask you, Tessa, though, did you have any um, non-holiday traditions for your families? I know I just, like, jumped in with my show. <laughs> it's okay. Um, there's no structure to this show. So I, I think one of my favorite traditions I have with my family, and I think I've talked about it a few times, but we go get donuts and go to the beach in the morning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've uh-huh. been doing that since, like, um, sort, of, sort of, like, the quarantine eased a little bit. We've... Uh-huh been going to Dunkin Donuts and getting like a bunch of donuts and then driving to the beach and eating them on the beach. And I really, we did that in California um, over the well, last I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you guys were there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We have like little things that we do every day. Like um, when Mackenzie has to do, has to change one of her devices, I give mm-hmm. her a spoonful of whipped cream. <laughs> <laughs> just like what it's like a thing. It's yeah. Like yeah. That's I don't cute. talk about it. You just, so like there's no sugar or carbs and, in whipped cream, did you uh-huh. have it? Like Cool Whip? Like Freddy Whip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Like in a can? Yeah, there's no oh, carbs wow. or sugar, so she can Food have in it a can like a isn't treat. usually like that. <laughs> I'll give I think when you make Peyton it yourself, gets a it's can. Definitely, yeah, it's definitely I'll give Peyton a whole can. Answer. He'll walk around with it, shooting it in his mouth. Jesus. <laughs> Doing it's with so it. so good. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I lay with Mackenzie for 10 minutes before she falls asleep every night. And yeah. that's kind of nice. Um, me and Jill, my friend, have a tradition. We meet, like, every three months at a mall in New Jersey. And we have, like, we go to the same exact stores and we do, like, a drunken crawl through Barnes & Noble afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we have, like, two martinis at the Cheesecake Factory. And then we go next door to Barnes & Noble and just, like, go through and, like, just troll the romance section. And sometimes we record videos. 
of like, she'll pick up a book and she'll have me randomly plot it on the spot just by looking at the cover. Oh, I love that. And we, yeah. That's really cute. That's cute. That's kind of tradition. I like that. Well, how was the beach there? Is it crowded where you guys are at? Uh, so we get there at like literally nine in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not, I don't take chance. I just won't take any chances right now, but, um, it starts to fill up around 11 and then that's when we leave. Yeah. Yeah. So we're really just there. We're not there for the sunshine. We're just there to be outside and to like, you know, Mackenzie can boogie board and whatever. Do you but swim we, in the ocean? I go up to like my waist. I don't, I'm not really a, like, I don't really get how people swim in the ocean. Do you swim in the ocean, Mel? Where are you going? I yeah. need a destination. Yeah, I swim too. I, I swim I, in the ocean. The first time I ever swam in the ocean above my head was when I met my husband. Because he grew up at the beach. Like, he grew up in eastern North Carolina, like, on the water. And so, he was like, come on. And I was like, what are you doing? You don't go out that far. There's sharks. And he's like, yeah. he's yeah. like, you're fucking stupid. Get in the water. And I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> Like, I just never considered it before. I am very afraid of sharks. Mackenzie's one of Mackenzie's favorite um, movies is Soul Surfer. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know when what, the girl what gets bit about? by the shark? It's the true story of Bethany Hamilton, the surfer who had her arm bit off by a shark. And she watches it all the time. Like, it's like, we, it's like one of three DVDs we have in the back of our car. And she's also seen the entire Jaws trilogy. And she's seen all the Sharknado movies. So she's like, and she's seen Deep Blue Sea. Um, what else? Um, the Meg. She loves sharks, but she she won't play. Like, she mm-hmm. won't go out in the ocean. She'll go up to, like, her, her waist. See, my daughter, she loves that shit. Like, she loves all those movies that you just mentioned. Like, anything about Megalodons, like, she'll watch any sort of documentary on those. She's in. But her ass is out in the water. Like, the second we get in the, the second we get to the beach, she's on it. And we have to drag her out at the end of the day. And she, like, we were talking about this, too, when we were at the beach a couple weeks ago. She, that girl does not sunburn. I don't put, I don't have to put a lick of sunscreen on her and she'll be out there 12 hours and will come back so golden brown and she will keep that tan until Christmas and have like the whitest hiney ever. And like <laughs> the rest of her will still be so tan. I don't know where she gets it from. It's the, That's and her hair gets so have. blonde, right? I'm like, yeah. where are these genetics from? Cause I'm so fair skinned. Well, I will tan. It takes me a while and it's gone two seconds after I leave the sun. But with her though, it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I don't know what DNA hit her, but it hit right. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, the other thing I wanted to mention was I was thinking about the beach. Our Lydia's godparents, like our best friends, they're coming when we go to the beach uh, in two weeks. We're going to go see them. They have a place there. They have, I was talking to them the other day and I was like, okay, we're planning our trip and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, we're on a breakup day. So I'll tell you tomorrow when I'll talk to him. And I was like, your husband? And he was like, yeah, you don't have breakup days? And I was like, Wait, stop. what? I was like, I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) I know. I was like, explain this. And they don't have kids. So let me preface that. He was like, oh, no. Like, we wake up. I roll over. I give him a kiss. And I'm like, I'll see you tomorrow. They have a day, uh, randomly, where they don't spend it together. In their house, he was like, I might see him in the kitchen. I might see him in the backyard. But I'm not going to talk to him. He was like, I'm not going to engage I'm going to have a whole day to myself where I do my work. I do. And then I watch the shows I want to watch because we. he was like, we don't always watch the same shows. And he was like, you don't have breakup days? I was like, first of all, fuck you. <laughs> no, I've never had wow. this. But he was like, yeah, he said, maybe it's a gay thing. I don't know. He said it like it was like no knowledge. But they're not like on a break. No, he was like, like we're re- just their relationship's not on a break. No, just, no, no. They're just not dealing. They with just each call other. it breakup days because they're not together all day. That's brilliant. Yeah, and then he was like, sometimes we'll sleep in separate rooms. My friend, uh, a long time ago, I was at I was at a book signing, and this girl who's like a reader of mine, but also like she became a friend. Yeah, was telling me she was helping organize it. She was one of the volunteers, and she was like um, super stressed, you know, and she's like. Um, me and one of the other organizers have a thing called silent lunch when we're, we're like, we're super stressed about organizing everything. We've been talking nonstop. Mm-hmm. We've been like comforting people and helping people. And we go to lunch and we don't talk. And I think that's amazing. I would like that to is- do that. I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think, but, 
but it's kind of nice. Like if it was understood that you weren't expected to yeah, talk, yeah, you're not and mad, the silence was okay. Yeah, yeah, like and you, totally and you, yeah, I think that would be really nice. But that's how it is for them. But it's their whole day, and the two of them love it. They were like, we look forward to it. They were like, we enjoy our time together. But it's like we know that it's going to happen. So it's like we get to enjoy our time together because it's like, oh, we're going to have a breakup day next Tuesday. Like, let's go ahead and do all the fun stuff we want to do now or let's watch the shows we want to watch or let's go outside. Let's, you know, play with the dogs or whatever. And he was like, and then I save things for my breakup days. Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to watch that show on Tuesday or whatever it is. How often do they have these? I don't think it's super often. I think maybe it's like every other week. <laughs> every other day. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, I think it's like maybe once a week, once every two weeks. He didn't see it. He's like, it's something to look forward to. That's nice. And I was like, maybe you're on to something. I've been thinking of having a day, just like driving somewhere and just going somewhere by myself for the day recently because... You know, we've been in this house together for, I don't know, what is it, five months now? Four it's months? It's like, as somebody said the other day, she, my cousin was like, I've been out, I've been in my house for 147 days. And she was like, and my daughter's been out of daycare for a hundred and, it was like 135 or something. Because they had, there was like a week's difference or something. She was like, no wonder we're all stressed. <laughs> Seriously. But she has like, she has like a one-year-old, so. That's, even, that's even crazier. <clears throat> I'll feel refreshed just taking a long drive. So yeah, I take a long drive. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like you're not I alone. I need to do this every day. Mm-hmm. I got to get out of this house at least for like 30 minutes every day. Even if it's just driving. Yep, same, same. I'm like, I'll I'll do something where it's like, I'll go do something and then I'll go to the grocery store. So it's even like, I, ha- I have time away and then I have a task and then I can come home. But it really is like, I've just taken a whole day. And just not being at home has been super nice. Just driving. I drove to Charlotte one day for no reason whatsoever. I went and got drive through coffee and then drove just back. Just listen to your podcast. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know my friends are like texting me. My friends who don't have kids were texting mm-hmm. me like, oh, have you guys heard this podcast yet? And I was like... I was like, don't answer back like an asshole. Then I was like, I ha- I just like could not do it. I was like, no, I haven't listened to podcasts <laughs> since March. I was like, there's just no time. Like, I mean, I get an hour to watch TV at night or an hour and a half or whatever before I'm too tired to watch anymore. But there's no like downtime. You know, there's no in-between time. Like I'm either working or parenting or working or parenting or eating. Yeah. Well, I've had time to like, I've caught up on all my podcasts. It took a little bit. The first couple weeks to catch up because it was a bunch of them. But then I was just like, oh, okay, I got this. Like, there's times that I listen where I'm like um, upstairs and I'm doing laundry because I'm away from the family. My laundry's upstairs. And so I'll just like fold laundry and listen to it. Or like when um, when I'm in the shower, I listen to it too. I take long showers when I'm in there. Or I'll take a bath at night and I'll put it on and I'll just take a long bath and listen to one. So I saw I was watching. What was I watching? Um Oh, some like something on HGTV. Oh no, I was watching a uh, property. What's it called? The LA. They have like oh um, God, it's like the really arrogant guys that show properties oh, in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm talking about yes. They they had this giant like circular tub made of like hard walnut. <laughs> Oh my god! I never wanted something so bad in my life. I, was like, I would kill for that bathtub. It was imagine just a giant, the like a big footage. salad bowl, you know? Like yeah, but imagine the square footage you'd have to have in order to have to have that fit in a room. You know what I mean? Like no. that's gigantic. gigantic. We have a friend who has one, and she was telling us about um, it's like being in a bowl of soup because it's so deep. Yeah, and it's it's just like that. Like there's like I will say one thing I do love about my tub is that it's very wide. I would I didn't think I liked it at first when I first got the tub. And I filled it up and I got in and I was like, oh shit, did I make a mistake? Because it's, it's deep. Like it'll, it covers my entire body and I lay back and my toes don't touch the end. So like I, it's really long, it's deep, but it's super wide. It's double the width of me, but it's really nice when like I'm stretched out and I'm like watching something or I'm listening to something and like I've got a tray in front of me or like if my husband takes a bath with me or something like I've realized how nice it is to be able to just spread my arms out and not be like this in a tub. I was like, oh no, wide was the way to go. 
that that was the way to do it. So if you're thinking about getting a new tub, just email me. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you all my my dirty details on my bathtub. Just please put tubs in the subject line. So oh, we know speaking where of water, it. hold on. I, you were telling us about the Intex pools like a while back that you got one for your daughter. Yeah. So I started looking at pools. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's no fucking pools anywhere anymore. Nope. No pools. Oh, they are out everywhere. Out. And if you go on Amazon, it's like triple the price. People, the sellers on, not Amazon, but the sellers on Amazon and price The third party, I, we got price gouged on ours oh, it's, pretty badly. It's terrible. And then if you go to the Intex website, like the manufacturer, everything's sold out, sold out, sold out. Like, yeah. done. I found one on eBay. And it is brand new in the box. And I was like, this fell off somebody's truck. This is like <laughs> some somebody took this and sold it on eBay. But it is a reputable seller that's got like 50,000 reviews, five star, like all this stuff. So I ended up getting it for what it costs from the manufacturer. And I was like, okay, something must be wrong with this thing. So I don't know. It's coming. They're sending it freight. It's supposed to be coming it tomorrow. could just be somebody with a conscience, you know? Or, yeah, I mean, they had, they had, when I started looking, they had four of the same, like, pools with different, different sizes, but the same Intex pool. They were, like, different widths and different depths. And as I was looking at this, I was telling my husband, I was like, oh, they have, like, this 12 foot, they have an 18 foot, they have, like, 48 inches or 52. And he was like, well, what about this in a 48? And I was like, okay. And then I was like, click, sold. And I was like, well, what about this one? Click sold. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I just bought one. Because <laughs> I was like, there we go. <laughs> so I just bought it like that. So it's supposed to be shipped here tomorrow. So it's pretty big. But I figured there's four of us that are going to be in it. So I don't know. Um, How are you guys liking it? Like now that you're a few weeks in on it, is it okay to maintain? I'm so, I never thought I would be an above ground pool person. And I hate myself for buying one. It's like any other thing, like, it's kind of like this podcast where at first you're like, this is overwhelming. And then yeah. after a week, you're like, oh, no, 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 this, you're in a routine. And then it just becomes part of your routine. Like, my husband goes out, he tests the water, okay. he adds the chemicals, and then that's it. And he, like, he could probably give oh, you a wow. few tips. Like, if, if it's really, really hot, don't put the cover on because it's going to bake that water and turn it, like, you know, kind of like murky okay. and moldy. So, like, there's a few things okay. to look out for. I can ask him for, like, a list of tips if you want. But he just yeah. goes out once a day. He tests the water. He adds, like, whatever it tells him to add. And it's, like, become the routine. It's pretty easy. Mel, can I you ask know? your mom for advice, too, on how to take care of your pool? <laughs> Mel's really lucky. She's got a pool. And she's got her mom to come over and take care of it. Uh, I am... I was like, that's the best. Mel, what do you take care of in your house, Mel? <laughs> Nothing. She's, She's like, like I, I work so that I, I don't have to take care yeah. of shit. That's what uh, I aspire to be. That's that's what I want to be in life. I want to be a Mel. I want to delegate everything. <laughs> we went to we went to go swim in a friend's uh, pool, and um, we went to their is their mom's pool out here in Long Island, and. Um, Mackenzie goes off the diving board and her glucose monitor, we've been there for 15 minutes and her glucose monitor pops out and we're like, fuck. Uh, so then we start searching for it or searching for an hour and a half and can't find it in this pool. Like we were diving down. We were like using Was the net. I think we went, I think it probably went through the filter, you know, like, but we couldn't get it. Like we looked in, couldn't find it. So we just had to leave. It was the worst. Oh shit. That yeah. sucks. I felt so bad for Mac mostly. Cause it was like, yeah, yeah. you know, one jump and there it went. Uh, well, literally we were there for 15 minutes and then it was an hour and a half of all the adults like combing the entire backyard. What the, the fuck pool. happened? I don't know. It just like, it's never come out before, but. Um, that's insane oh pools man so yeah if you find one uh look on ebay (laughs) you know what else is sold out everywhere bikes trying to get a bike right now yeah Uh -uh. my mom says it's because they come from like she just said this randomly so i don't know if it's true but she's (laughs) like they all come from you know like they come from china and places like overseas and so nobody's shipping things right now with all the covid and i was like I was like, that sounds legit, but I'm probably going to double check on that. But I honestly, we had to look in like nine different places to get a bike for Mackenzie's birthday because she's turning oh. nine on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. We finally found one from REI, 
but it was uh, like Amazon has like a very limited selection. eBay has a very limited selection, like Dick's Sporting Goods, all of them, like very, very small. Like one of my friends drove to Connecticut to get her daughter a bike. Shit. Check your local bike shop. So we have a bike shop downtown. It's a place called Vac and Dash. And oh, we did. That was the first thing we did was check all our local shops. Like we yeah. couldn't get them. Yeah. No way. Our place is pretty well stocked because actually they have a UPS drop off and I went there the other day and they had a ton and I was like, you know, maybe we should ride bikes because we all have bikes in the basement that I haven't ridden in like probably uh-huh. since Hallie was like a year old. So, okay, cool. Okay, we are going to play the first half of Man of the Mountain by Frankie Love and we'll tell, we'll tell you what she has uh, going on when we come back. So enjoy this first half and we'll see you on the other side. Bye. Bye. This is Man of the Mountain by Frankie Love. Read for you by Jay Alder and Heather Firth. Chapter 1 Cutter As I walk through Fox Hollow Forest, winding up my day, I see tracks in the damp floor of the woods. Cougar tracks. Shit. It would be one thing if there was some coyote winding around this part of the forest. I can deal with those wild-ass dogs, but cougars are bad for business. Not that this is a money-making endeavor, keeping the woods safe, but families come out here to camp and fish this time of year, and the last thing anyone wants is an animal attack when they're on vacation. Sure, everyone understands it's a remote area, but cougars prowling around will only cause trouble. Thankfully, the sky has been heavy with rain clouds all week. It'll keep driving people away until I can deal with the cats. Usually, this is a beautiful time of year in Fox Hollow Forest. Living off the beaten tracks has its perks. I can enjoy the great outdoors without running into many people. Why else would I have taken a job in the middle of nowhere? I was born in these woods, and I never planned to leave. Now... I wouldn't mind sharing this slice of rural paradise with a woman, but most of the ones I meet, down at the one and only bar in a 50-mile radius, aren't really looking to make a life in the wild. They're looking for a good time that just might lead to a way out. But damn, I wish that weren't the case. Sometimes what I really crave is a woman to share a bed with. Nothing more because, hell, I'm a lone ranger, literally, and there is no woman on earth that could make me change. As I walk through the woods toward my ranger station, a text comes through. It's from James, my closest neighbor. James. Come over for a barbecue on Saturday. Marcy's insisting. Reed and Jasper are coming with their wives. I shove my phone in my pocket, not wanting to be reminded of what I don't have, reminded of what those guys got. Even if it's not what I want, Knowing they have women in their beds each night to satisfy their cravings gets me a little bitter. Okay, a whole lot bitter. I feel droplets of rain on my shoulder as I near the station. Then, a howl. Looking around, I consider the cougar tracks I saw earlier. Maybe they're getting braver and starting to come closer than they usually do. I set my hand on the revolver on my hip, clenching my jaw. But before I can investigate... The sound that I thought was a howl turns to a cry. Running to the station, my heart pounds. That was no wild animal. That sound was a baby. I round the corner, seeing a pair of cougars inching toward the door with a hungry look in their eyes, snapping their mouths, fangs glistening. Moving toward the doorstep, where a baby lay strapped into a baby carrier. Chapter 2 Katie I press my fingers to my temples, so frustrated with my boss. I've been looking for a reason to quit my job for months, but this is the last straw. Lorraine is asking me to go to Fox Hollow for a transport, which I don't mind doing in and of itself. It's my duty to make sure all children are safe and well cared for. That matters to me. It's why I became a social worker in the first place. What bothers me is that Lorraine didn't even ask me if I minded doing this after-hours pickup. When I've just clocked a 60-hour work week, 
I want to help, be available, but I also don't want to be a doormat. I can't do it, Lorraine says, reaching for her purse and jacket. I've got to get Sonia to ballet practice and Jonah has an appointment with his tutor. I pick up the tablet on my desk and slide it into my tote bag. Fine, I say, not wanting Lorraine's kids to suffer. But next week, I'm taking a few days off. I'm exhausted. Social workers are known to be overworked and underpaid. I get that. It's what I signed up for. What I care about is not being treated like an actual human. Like my time is less valuable since I don't have a husband and kids to care for. I'm tired of it. I want to be seen as an actual person with feelings. Though I suppose it would be easier to be seen that way if I ever let anyone in to see those emotions. Lorraine scoffs. You can't just take time off. You have to request leave. She looks at her watch. I gotta go. Make sure you grab a diaper bag in the closet and a car seat. The man who called this in thinks she's only a few months old. Make some calls on the drive out to find a placement, okay? With that, she turns on her heels and leaves the office. I blink back the tears that threaten to fall, hating that I don't stick up for myself better. I'd love to sit around and throw a pity party, but I hate driving at night. And more importantly, there is a little baby who has been abandoned. Thinking about this baby who needs me manages to snap me out of my misery. Focus, Katie. I grab the gear I need, then head out to my car. Buckling the car seat into the back of my sedan, I feel drops of rain on my back. Looking up at the darkening sky, I make the decision to pass on driving through a burger joint until after the pickup and drop off. I hate driving in the rain, too. I enter the address into my GPS and then begin making phone calls via Bluetooth. Usually a baby is an easy enough placement, but tonight I can't seem to get through to any of my regular foster parents. There is one more emergency home I can call, but before I can reach them, my reception fails me. I turn up the music on the radio and try to sing away my frustration over the past week. Sometimes I just wish I could run away to the middle of nowhere and clear my head. When I get back to the office, I will go through the appropriate steps and request that vacation time. Maybe I can find a cheap rental out here in the woods of Fox Hollow, spend a few days in the wilderness and remember who I am, who I want to be. As I drive into the forest, the thick cedar trees on either side of me, the rain starting to fall and the sun now set. I realize I don't need a few days to figure any of that out. I already know. I want a husband, a child. I want the family I never had growing up. But I'm never going to find that life I long for if I'm working such crazy hours. I need more balance. My GPS tells me I'm almost there. I turn on my blinker, even though I haven't seen another car for 10 miles, and turn right onto a gravel driveway. It's long and winding, and I put on my high beams as I make my way to the cabin in the distance. I have no idea what to expect out here, so deep in the woods, and I momentarily wonder if I should have found a colleague to make this transport with me. Who knows what kind of person lives out here? Some wild mountain man, maybe. Then I remember that Lorraine said a forest ranger made the call, and I calm myself down. Whoever lives here has had a background check and no criminal record. I don't need to work myself up for no reason. I just need to park my car, get in this cabin, and do some paperwork. Then I will be on my way. Maybe when I get home, I can go on to one of those online dating apps. Meet someone that way? Groaning, I turn off the ignition and reach behind me for the diaper bag. I have no idea how long this baby was left alone or what it might need. Thankfully, I have a little of everything with me. After I step out of the car, I run to the cabin door. The rain is heavy, pelting down on me, and the wind beats around me in wild gusts. Drenched, I reach for the door. But before my knuckles even wrap against the rustic hardwood, 
It's pulled open. Standing before me is the most ruggedly handsome mountain man I've ever seen. He has a thick beard, dark brown eyes that match the trunk of a cedar tree. He's tall, broad-shouldered, in a flannel shirt that is rolled up to the elbows, revealing forearms covered in tattoos. And though I'm distracted by his core tightening muscles, it's the fact that he's bleeding that has me covering my mouth. Scared, there's a deep gash across his forehead and he's holding a cloth against it as if trying to stop the blood. It's not really working. And then I hear the cry of a baby, a wail really. What exactly is going on in here? Chapter three, Cutter. I'm staring, which I know is rude, but I can't exactly help it. This woman at my doorstep is ridiculously sexy. The kind of sexy I've been dreaming about for a long ass time. Her eyes are deep blue like the river that runs through Fox Hollow. Her figure curvy and petite like a goddamn forest nymph. Oh God, what's happened here? She asks, pushing me aside. The fear in her voice is a relief to be honest. It means she cares. And right now, that is what this poor baby needs. She survived a cougar attack after being left with nothing but a note. She's way too small to have already been through hell and back. Everything's okay now. I'm Cutter, I say, as the woman steps past me into the house. You Katie? I was given the name of a social worker who would be coming. Katie nods. Where's the baby? She's right here, I say, showing her the way. I made her a little bed in a drawer. Katie kneels down to the baby who was nested in my flannel shirts, figured they're the softest things I own, and close enough to the wood-burning fireplace to warm up. Who knows how long she'd been left out in the cold. A shudder passes through me again. The horror I felt when I found her at the ranger station, left all alone. The cougars were so fucking close. Katie pushes off her soaked jacket. The rain is coming down so damn hard, and my cock twitches as I take in the view of her in a white t-shirt, snug in all the right places, and wet in the right places too. Fuck, her tits look good. Which is not what I should be focusing on. Right now, it's about making sure this sweet baby is safe. Though, I swear to God, one look at the sweet pea's face and I made a vow. To protect this little one as if my life depended on it. Katie picks up the baby girl, examining her quickly, looking for any indication of harm. I run a hand over my beard, not able to fathom Katie's job, the breadth of her responsibility. I'm in awe. She looks okay, I say. I didn't have diapers, so I made one from a dish towel. And I didn't have any formula. I tried to call my buddy down the road. He has a little girl, but the reception is shit during storms and I couldn't get through. She does look all right, though probably pretty hungry, Katie says, pulling open the bag she brought in. But you don't look fine. You look... She shakes her head. What happened to you? Uh cougar who was a little close for my liking. I pressed the towel to my forehead, telling her how I came upon the wild cats in the woods, how they were inching closer to the baby carrier, how I had to fight them off to keep this little girl safe. Oh my God, she says, her eyes wide in surprise. She walks to the kitchen and begins preparing the bottle, the baby nestled in her arms. You could have been killed. I shrug. But I wasn't. You're still bleeding. She screws the top on the bottle and eases it into the baby's mouth. The little one begins suckling immediately. You need stitches. Not gonna get those tonight, I say, my eyes fixed on the baby, the way she is nestled so sweetly in Katie's arms. It's like they've been together since the beginning. Why not, she asks as the wind howls around us. It's only gonna take a few more gusts and the power's gonna go out. Then I should go, now. 
the baby's still eating, but Katie carries her to the living room and turns to me. Can you hold her for a second? I take the baby gingerly. For the last 90 minutes, when it was just the two of us, I sang her every song I could remember my ma singing when I was a kid. Katie opens the bag and grabs diapers and wipes, a change of clothes. And I need to get you to fill out some paperwork. She reaches into a second bag and pulls out a tablet. She turns it on and flips it to face me. I just need you to fill out everything you remember for the report. And you mentioned a note? Yeah, it's on the kitchen table. We swap. She takes the baby and I take the tablet. It didn't say much. I hand it to her. I memorize the words. I can't do this. Please take care of her. God, Katie says, shaking her head, her bottom lip trembling as she reads the note. She kisses the top of the baby's head. She's all alone in the world. Just then, another swirl of wind rattles the cabin and a large crack breaks the howl. Lightning, she asks. I shake my head, stepping toward the big front window overlooking the driveway. No, that was the cedar tree, splitting in two. Katie stands beside me. I feel the heat of her skin, and I want her to step in closer. The driveway, she whispers. It's blocked. You're not going anywhere tonight, I say, knowing there's not a chance of moving that tree in the dark without a truck to help clear it. What do you mean? Katie shakes her head, eyes widening. I can't stay here. Just then, the lights flicker, right before going completely out. Chapter Four Katie This cannot be happening. I'm in a pitch dark cabin with a stranger and a baby, and now I'm stuck here until morning? I need to go to the shed and turn on the generator. Are you going to be okay in here alone? I blink, tears filling my eyes. I don't think he's joking. I really won't be leaving anytime soon. I'm just grateful the tree didn't smash down on my car. Hey, uh, Cutter clears his throat, his hand resting on my shoulder. It comforts me, as crazy as that sounds, but it feels good to know I'm not in this alone. Don't cry, it's just the power, not life or death. I look at the gash on his forehead. Cutter fought wild cougars for this baby. My heart tightens at the thought, how scary it must have been. How quickly he must have moved into action to keep this baby safe. He may be a burly mountain man, but it's clear he's a softie at heart. He risked his own flesh for her safety. If you fought off cougars, I can handle the dark for a few minutes. I tell him with shaky breath. He squeezes my shoulder. Good. You girls will be okay. Go sit by the fire so you don't get cold. And let me get you a flashlight. He rummages around in a cupboard for a moment, and then a large flashlight illuminates the room. He hands it to me, pausing for a second as if he wants to say more. I swallow, wishing I knew what this man is thinking. He's stuck with the two of us for the rest of the night. I'll be right back. After Cutter leaves the cabin, I prop the flashlight on the table and lay the baby back in the dresser drawer. Quickly, I change her from the dishcloth diaper and put her in a clean sleeper. I'm guessing she is all but four months old. Patting her belly, I reach for my cell phone in my bag. Then I dial Lorraine to give my boss an update. But I have zero bars and no way to contact her. Guess we're off the grid for a night. I say. The flickering embers in the fireplace soothe me as I look around Cutter's cabin. At first glance, I thought it was simply a rustic bachelor pad, but I realize everything he owns appears to be of good quality. Thick wool blankets on the back of a brown leather couch, a bookshelf lined with books, a hunting rifle hanging by the door, and a kitchen that has been recently remodeled. It flashes with modern appliances way fancier than the ones I have in my apartment. It relaxes me a bit, seeing that I'm not in some creepy backwoods cabin for the night. I pick up the baby, 
wishing she had a name, and rock her in my arms, trying not to get my heart too invested in her. It's hard not to, when you hold an abandoned baby in your arms. It's instinctive to want to protect it, care for it, love it. But this is just my job, and she isn't mine. Still, it's hard not to dream. Closing my eyes, I pretend for just a moment that she is. It's what I want, deep down. A baby to love, to nurture. A chance to give a little one the childhood I never had. I became a social worker for a reason. I grew up in the system, shuffled from home to home. And the social workers who made sure I was safe were my superheroes. I wanted to be a hero to someone too. Cutter's been gone a long time, and I start to worry, looking down at this baby, who has soft black curls around her face, dark eyes and long, thick lashes. Her skin is the color of glittering sand, and she is nothing but perfection. Someone left her. My heart tightens, memories of my earliest years surfacing. I try my best to push them away, startling when the lights flash on as if a reminder of where I am, right now, here in a cabin with two strangers. Katie, you all right? Cutter calls as he pushes open the front door, drenched from the rain, his cut still bleeding. He looks like he's been through hell. Mud covers his jeans and shirt, his cheeks. Did you fall? I ask, settling the baby back in the drawer and stepping toward him. He groans, running a hand over his hair. I keep getting beat up by the elements. It's destroying my image of being a tough mountain man. What got you this time? I ask with a smile, his heroic nature shining through the injury. He went out in the middle of a storm so we could have power. God, he is so freaking sexy, risking his life for us. A mudslide on the back of the cabin. He shakes his head, those brown eyes melting me. I should shower, he says. I'm a mess. You okay out here? I nod ever so slowly, wishing I'd fallen in the mud too. Then I'd have a reason to invite myself into the shower with him. Chapter 5 Cutter she licks her lips, and I swear to God it's an invitation. But I'm not fucking this up. I want Katie, and I don't want to scare her away before I get a chance to prove that to her. Her stomach rumbles loudly, reminding me what time it is. Are you hungry? I ask. Then I chuckle. Of course you are. Your stomach wouldn't be growling otherwise. I didn't have dinner. Figured I'd stop on my way back to town. Let me get you something. I haven't eaten either. She stops me, setting a hand on my arm. You're filthy. I know that isn't my kitchen, but you are not stepping foot in there. Bossy, huh? I give her a cocky grin. Wasn't expecting that. No? Why not? She sets a hand on her curvy hip. No idea, actually. I laugh, looking at her like she owns the place. But I like it. A woman who knows her mind. She bites her bottom lip. I usually hold everything back, never say what I'm actually thinking. Really? I look her over. Guess you were waiting for the right man to put in line. She laughs. How do you know I don't already have a man? I tense. Fuck, is this sweet ass thing already hitched? I look at her ring finger. Bear, good. I know you're not married, I tell her. And it's not because you aren't wearing a wedding band. It's because you're looking at me like you want something. Her eyes widen. And what would I want? She asks, lifting an eyebrow. God, she looks sexy. Me. I give her a big smile then, and she laughs. You're ridiculous, she says. But the light in her eyes tells me she thinks I am more than full of it. They tell me I wasn't off the mark at all. Now go clean up and let me make us some dinner she tells me. I'm hoping you aren't living on cans of chili and frozen burritos. 
I have some meat in the fridge and vegetables. I'm not a complete mess. She's pulling open the fridge, but before I leave for the bathroom, she turns, looking at me over her shoulder. Thank you, she says softly. For what? For being a real man. As I step into the shower, I'm thinking all sorts of reckless things, like how I'd like Katie to be standing in here with me, naked, alone, ready to be devoured. Because hell, walking back to my cabin after a goddamn mudslide took me 20 yards down the fucking mountainside. I thought that was it. A cougar fight and a storm doing me in. But what's really doing me in is her. Hell, Katie is going to ruin me. Her and that baby girl. Hell, I'm fucked. Because now there isn't just one girl I'm vowing to protect at all costs, it's two. I can't exactly let Katie walk out of this cabin and out of my life with the baby. That cedar tree falling when it did was no coincidence. It was goddamn destiny. In the shower, I let the water run hot, my cock hard as I think about the woman on the other side of the door. Her sweetheart face, her pink-lipped smile. It may be wrong to think of her naked and press against me, but I never said I was right. I'm a wild-ass man who lives in the woods for a reason. I wrap my hand around my cock, pumping my shaft as my mind stays fixed on her. The one and only woman who has ever caused me to rethink every last thing. What the hell am I doing living alone when she exists? But I know nothing about her. Besides her full tits, her perfect round ass, thighs nice and thick, the kind I long to spread so that my beard can tease her in all the right places. I pump my cock as I imagine her pussy, wet and ready, tight, mine. Fuck. I come hard against the tile of the shower and I turn the water to cold, needing to settle my stiffy so I can walk out of the bathroom without causing a goddamn scene. Because my hard cock will cause a scene. She's never seen anything like it, I'm sure. But God, how I want to show her. I wrap a towel around my waist and step from the bathroom, and I practically run right into her. Katie is there, the hall closet open, eyes wide as if she's been caught red-handed. Oh, I, um, she swallows, bites her bottom lip. I was looking for a first aid kit. For your forehead? I thought I could at least bandage it. Her words trail off as her eyes begin to roam. I smile, not stopping her. Her pink tongue darts out of her mouth, licking her lush lips, and she inhales sharply before shaking her head, fixing her eyes right at mine. The baby okay? I ask. She nods. She's out cold. A warm bottle, clean clothes, and a tight swaddle was all she needed. I reach behind her into the closet and grab the first aid kit behind the stack of sheets. Right here, I say, handing it to her. She takes it and steps into the bathroom, opening the kit up on the counter. She grabs an antiseptic cream and some butterfly closures. Maybe you won't need stitches since you have these. She waves me over. Come closer so I can fix you up. Her cheeks turn pink as I step toward her, nice and close. Her back is to the sink and I'm standing close enough for her to doctor me up. She reaches for the cream, dapping it on a Q-tip, and lifts her hand, touching it to my forehead. I swear to God she pulls in a sharp breath of want, because it forces me to do the same. As I do, the towel wrapped around my waist falls to her feet, and my cock, in all its glory, is hers to see. Chapter Six Katie. Okay, so that is Cutter's cock. I swallow, both wanting to bend down to hand him the towel and bend down to give his thickness a closer look. Because holy hotness, he is large, fully capable. I may be a virgin, but I am familiar with battery-operated toys to help me relax. And this is no toy. 
What Cutter is packing is purely male, purely massive, and purely made to please. My pussy is hot and I squeeze my core, both relieving the growing ache and making it worse. How can those two things happen at the same time? I don't know. This is agony, plain and simple. You okay there? He asks, obviously realizing I'm staring. I'm okay-ish, I manage to eke out. Nothing to be scared of, he says, picking up his towel. It won't bite. He grins devilishly, the kind of grin that has my knees going all wobbly and my heart pounding. Sorry, I say, turning around, facing the mirror. Which doesn't exactly help, because now I am just looking at his reflection. His cock is still in plain view. Don't apologize. You like what you see, Katie? I close my eyes. Is this happening? I wanted a vacation to a remote cabin in the middle of nowhere. And somehow, an hour later, here I am. I didn't even need to clear vacation days with Lorraine. I like what I see. I admit, very much so, actually. Cutter laughs. You're funny and sexy and... Don't. I shake my head. Our eyes meet in the mirror. Don't what? He sets his hands on either side of me, pinning me in front of him. How close is his cock to my ass is what I want to know. Don't say things you don't mean. Cutter frowns. But you are sexy as hell. I mean, I know you came here for work, but fuck, Katie. It's like you came here for so much more than that. What does that mean? I ask, trying to swallow down my fear. I couldn't be straight up with my boss, but maybe I can practice being honest with Cutter. Doesn't it all seem too good to be true? He asks, you being here, like destiny. I shake my head slowly. I don't believe in destiny, I say. What do you believe? I believe in hard work, determination. I believe in pulling up my bootstraps and doing the damn thing. Mostly, I believe in me. Cutter's eyes darken as he listens to my spiel. It's not a cozy point of view, I get that. It won't give many people warm and fuzzies. But destiny doesn't work for people like me, Cutter or babies like the one who was sleeping in the living room. You've been hurt, bad, he asks, broken down. I prefer bruised, but not broken, I tell him honestly. That's why you do the work you do, protecting people who can't protect themselves? He cuts straight to the heart, sees my truth. Yeah, I tell him. I was a foster kid, I get the system. I wanted to help make it better. You're making it better for that sweet girl in the living room. So are you, I tell him. You fought for her. She needs a name, he says. Don't you think? I swallow. We shouldn't get attached, he frowns. Why not? Because when we say goodbye, he cuts me off. Looking so deep into my eyes, I swear he can see my every thought every dream, every desire. We don't know how this is going to end. I shake my head again. Don't, Cutter. We don't know one another. We're not remotely ready to dive into our dark and lonely past, let alone contemplate some future. We just met. I expect him to huff, to grab his towel and march away, annoyed with me but instead he spins me around and lifts my chin with his hand, and I close my eyes, not wanting to be soft. Because if I let myself go there, to that place, I'll start crying, I'll let him in, and there is a reason I throw myself into work, a reason I don't date. Because letting people in is the scariest thing in the world. People can't hurt you if they don't know you. Cutter, though, doesn't give me a chance to sheathe myself in armor, doesn't give me time to pick up a sword or a shield. No, Cutter doesn't waste a second of our time. 
he simply lowers his mouth to mine, and he kisses me. The kind of kiss I've always wanted, always dreamed of having. A kiss full of longing, a kiss filled with the promise of devotion. A kiss that says, I just heard all your excuses, but they don't scare me away. Not even a little, not one bit. A kiss that has me wrapping my arms around this near stranger and kissing him back. Hey, we're back. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> so like we told you, like I told you before, uh, go check out the Mountain Men of Fox Hollow series. The first one is Heart of the Mountain and it's on Kindle Unlimited, right, Mel? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, <laughs> I need someone to agree with me on this. <laughs> and she's giving away uh, four uh, Frankie Love signed paperbacks, some Mountain Man candy. Oh, oh, sorry. The books are Mountain Man candy. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I misread that. Mountain- now we're going to need you to do that, Frankie. We're going to need you to make some candy. <laughs> Please make some candy. Yep. Mountain Man Candy, Ace, Timber, and The Kissing Princeton. Oh, Kins- Kissing Princeton Charming. So those four books she's giving away on uh, readmeromance.com. So go enter the giveaway and you can go to the current audiobook to see like all the books that she has, um, you know, for sale on Kindle Unlimited. You can just click them there. And I think that's it, right? Anybody think so. Anything? <laughs> okay, we'll be back on Friday with the second half of Man of the Mountain. And Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make say your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.